Hello and welcome to the latest edition of How Might We? On this episode, my guest is Marie-Louise, and we're going to be talking today about how might we convert our knowledge into online learning. So welcome. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of How Might We? Would you like to, Marie-Louise, would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, uh, thank you. So yeah, I'm Marie-Louise from Lovely Evolution and I specialise in branding, design and Canva. So a little bit about my business, I do sort of design one-to-ones, branding, so creating logos in layman's terms. And also I train people on how to learn how to design and create within Canva. And I have a sort of working strap line that I sometimes use from crap creations to confident in Canva. So uh, <laughs> that, that's me in a nutshell. I, I quite like that strap line and it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, crap. I, I spent hours working on it <laughs> and then just got nowhere very fast. So, so it's interesting to say, so you start helping people to do it. So it'd be interesting to talk about your journey from obviously uh, working one-to-one with people to realizing that, or identifying that you could actually generate some learning content to help people become better at it themselves rather than you being um, doing it for them yeah well it was a bit of a happy accident because I discovered Canva back in 2017 another client of mine said have you heard about this thing and I had a look at it and thought it would work really well as part of my workflow, how I worked with my clients, because it's all very well and good creating a fancy pants logo. And then what do they do with it? And I work with a lot of small businesses and I want to rather than be like, oh, well, you have to come to me for every single little tiny change where possible. I like to enable my clients to be able to either do it themselves or work with a VA, you know, certainly in the context of, say, social media where things are very fast paced. So I, I don't have the time to sort of do it in Photoshop and change it every time they want a new a new post and certainly Photoshop and, you know, other sort of more you know, professional design programs can be a bit clunky and and a bit difficult and overwhelming to learn for, you know, the average person. So I was using it as part of working with my clients and I was having more and more people going, well, I want to learn how to do it. You know, can you, can you teach me? So I did a couple of free Canva workshops for my local library in Northampton as part of being a a guest expert at the Business and IP Centre, Northamptonshire. And and I was like, oh, well, there's something in there. So then I ran my first paid for workshop two years ago. It came up on time hop quite nicely <laughs> on face yesterday or the day before. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I, I, did, I hired a buffet as well. <laughs> you know, it was like real people. <laughs> And I thought that was great, but running an in-person event, you know, and one-off workshops are their own special beast. And I thought, well, you know, we're, we're already living in this sort of more global, international way. I was already doing a few bits and bobs on Zoom. And I really wanted to move my training online. So in January of 2020, I set up an online monthly membership where I was doing training, you know, like a 30 30 to 40 minute training on a particular Canva tool or like template and really breaking it down in my own kind of unique way of just 
telling you as it is. <laughs> there was no kind of like trying to be perfect. I wanted that audience participation. So they were kind of live events, but they, I did. All... So I've got this bank of like a year and a half's worth of training that I then went on to repurpose and I'm kind of um, relaunched as a group membership so that I could have a bit more flow to how people were being trained. And so, yeah, so it's it's been a bit of an evolution for me because I rebranded myself planning to, you know, specialize in logo rebrands and all of that. But in the meantime, I was getting really known for Canva. Like I was hashtag Canva girl and stuff like that. I didn't coin that, by the way. And, and I was like, well, there's something in it. You know, not very many people, certainly the designers that I know locally that I was networking with, really had embraced Canva like I did. So it was a really nice and fairly unique at the time combination of my years and years of design experience. You know, I'm a trained designer, combining that with a really easy to use tool like Canva. And so it's been a really great, you know, combination. And for me, it's not, I feel that my training is not just about here's how to use Canva, you know, like it's, there's loads of, there's loads of stuff on YouTube and stuff out there that, you know, free resources. For me, it's about trying to impart what I've learned and really helping my clients to really develop that design eye. So when I'm showing them something, I'm not just going, well, here, you know, there is the tool aspect and features of it. That's part of it. But it's also about, you know, well, you need to consider lining things up and making sure there's a bit of negative space here. And, you know, is there balance to the, the, the design? And, you know, is there a focus? So I'm really trying to help them to hopefully understand what comes, well, to me as second nature because I've been doing it so long. But it's not something that as a non-designer, you would know automatically and even using these great canva templates you're not necessarily understanding once you change things if you change them too much that you kind of water down the impact of the design or you know it's so it's no longer looking so great okay so you found it's interesting the, the the journey you've gone through so so you went online before covid I was ahead of the game, yes. <laughs> and it was it was part of my strategy even before then. It, I kind of come full circle, really, because I had been the summer, so I guess, what was it, about August time of 2019, I'd gone on a three-day workshop about how to create an online course. Mm -hmm. And it was it was also about the kind of marketing of it, landing pages, what kind of things you're training on. And so I sort of started working on that, but I just didn't like sitting there in front of a camera pre-recording all this training. I didn't have that magic that I have when I'm even like one-to-one, -one, you know, having a chat like this, but also, you know, working in a design context or training someone going, here's how you do this, whether it's one or a group. And so I kind of put down the idea of being an online course and that's where the membership kind of came into play and then I came sort of as I said full circle of going well I've got this bank of pre-recorded stuff you know it's it was recorded live but this is great content how can I repurpose it and repackage it so I've then kind of ended up with this hybrid model where there is stuff that people can watch on replay and you know pre-recorded but also there's that group support so that I can get my 
my fix of <laughs> seeing people and helping them, you know, helping them have that aha moment. So it worked sort of really well. So do you think because of the stuff you were talking about, it's not just about understanding how to use Canva that's important to you, but it's about people gaining that, what do you call it, more of a designer eye, so to speak. So do you find that being with people and letting them play around with it and giving them feedback and working with them directly helps develop that with people? Yes, because the way I give feedback, like because you, what I discovered was that you know, people will go away and try and do something. And if when, you know, people have different levels of experience and confidence in using some form of new tech, you know, some people that I work with are like afraid to do anything, you know, <clears throat> trying to do something on Zoom, you know, like how do I share my screen is, is really challenging for them because they're not used to it. Once they've done it a few times, then it's a bit easier and they can work it out and it's fine. And the same is a tool with Canva. Some people really take to it like a duck to water and others really struggle to do really simple things. So there's an element of they've got to kind of practice with it. And it's, you know, watching some training, whether it's mine or someone else's and breaking it down into composite parts. But then once they've got used to the kind of functionality of that program and doing from, you know, going from A to B, as it were, it's then elevating in that of going, well, how do we then make it look good? How do we make it appeal to our target market? So that's the kind of the, the up-leveling that I bring is that I'm going, well, okay, well, so you've done this design, you're not sure about it. So yes, from a technical design point of view, I can explain how you can improve it, but also don't forget you need to appeal to your target market. You know, is it on brand? Are you using your brand colors? So it's all these things that are really important that people may not realize they need to, to be using within, you know, anything that they're creating. Okay. And it's interesting. So from a training or a training, because obviously we've had some discussions before and I come from a learning and development or training background and you don't. And we had this discussion about how you've, come along this journey and one of the things you've talked about there is that the the sort of the journey that you want people to take and breaking things into composite parts and saying okay to get to where we want them to be at the end they need to be able to do a b c d e and what is the best order in those to be scheduled to have the most impact yeah and i don't think sometimes people don't take time to think about that sort of the learner journey as they call it or that that sort so if you want somebody at the end to produce something in canva that's going to be for their organization or for their for their business or whatever as you say what's the important aspects that we need to do first sort of the foundations and then what can we do and then as you say every step is an, an enhancement and built on the previous things yeah because people aren't going to come into canva for the first time and suddenly create an amazing piece of design and even those people that feel really comfortable or love Canva and they're like it's amazing <laughs> you know again from my you know design point of view there's things that could be improved you know I'm not talking about being rude about their you know they just don't know what they don't know but there's certain things that once they learn how to do that then they're like oh okay you know like theory well not even theory but sort of rules on you know what to do with your text and things like that but you know 
when someone is first starting out, there's no point bombarding them with, well, you need to do this, this, this to make your design look good. It's about, okay, here's how, here's where to find this shape and adding this shape and changing the color. So there's, there's different stages of where people are. For me, like a gap in my offering is creating something that is very focused at like someone who knows like nothing about Canva. They know they want to do it. They've kind of tried, but they felt really overwhelmed. And so it's, it's that kind of gap there that I want to, but I haven't, I'm focusing on my group program at the moment and getting that really going, which is for those people who are, you know, they can be quite new to Canva, but the type of stuff that I'm doing is not geared up to someone necessarily not knowing anything about Canva, but, you know, they can go on it. So, but for me, knowing the kind of the specific challenges that people who are very new to something and maybe are a bit afraid of how to use it, it there's sort of some challenges there. So I will be, I've parked that idea. It's something that I want to do, but I, I want to sort of work out how best to uh, deliver that, you know, whether that's in a series of workshops or whether it's like its own like mini program or something that kind of plugs on to my existing group program. I don't know. I haven't sort of figured it out yet. It's still going there. Just a quick question. So we've talked, obviously we've talked offline a few times and one of the things that's quite interesting is say, so if you say you've been doing this for quite some time now, so how you deliver your face-to-face -face workshops or the online versions of what you do, how has that evolved from was it January, January, February last year to now? Or has you been doing it for just about 18 months now? So of January of this year, I introduced an additional a sort of segment to or a, a sort of plug in to my my offering. So I sort of I had a fair bit of trialing different that the frequency of the trainings. So for initially, I think I was doing it fortnightly. Then at one point I was doing for quite some time, I was doing them three times they were kind of weekly but there were three trainings plus a canva q a which was open to everyone so people could in theory attend weekly and that was useful for me to sort of get all that information out there but long term i felt that we've now reached a point where to have like the frequency of that kind of amount of trainings not viable not only for me but also for those kind of in the membership so in January of this year, I decided to make it a monthly training, but after the training, we have a bit of a comfort break and those that want to stay on can have like this classroom sort of scenario. So it's a virtual classroom, but people can stay and, I, and they can then put into practice themselves. So the training portion is me talking through in my kind of, you know, very kind of matter of fact sort of kind of sometimes a bit of a plonker I make some very crap jokes <laughs> and you know talk them through you know I'm delivering that information and so if they're watching your replay they can of course pause it implement it and then you know press play and continue and work along but the classroom side of it was to be able to get because the thing that I know from my own self of doing anything new or creating something actually it's that getting started so by introducing that classroom element, it meant that I could help them to, you know, set up that that first sort of, you know, they they no longer have that blank screen. 
so that they can go right okay i click here so i would take it you know take it in terms those that wanted to take part and just say okay right now click on this and click on that and that was particularly helpful for some of the more kind of less confident members and i think it was very very useful and it taught me a lot about teaching as well so that was really good it, i think it is it's important to have that chance to be able to implement what you've learned and if i can do that in a kind of classroom type uh, scenario i can then see them do that and help them where maybe they'd be too afraid to ask that question because it's you know when they're doing it, it's like where is that that bit there you know where's that tool so i can talk them through it and they're all learning from each other okay so i can do some i can give you some learning theory now <laughs> what has actually happened in what you're doing so having the instructional aspect of it is cool and that that's fine and i think and one of my, my, my areas of, is when we do stuff for people, the instructional aspect is sometimes the easiest to do because it's our knowledge. We can dump it into, we can dump it onto a content that makes sense and we can look at making it engaging. We can look at making it fun, as you say, breaking it down into parts that people can understand in a way that we're not doing sort of overloading them. But there's three things that you've really built into that at the end in those classroom things. And one is experiential learning. Now, experiential learning is helping people learn through experiences. So you're saying to somebody, I'm going to support you. You're going to do something. So play around with it. Have a go. Once you've had a go, come back, talk to me. Or if you want to help as you're doing it, because that's how most of us learn. If you think back at when we're, when we're at work and we're learning, we tend to play around with stuff and learn as we do. That's certainly what I found when, you know, getting to grips with, you know, my design programs in the past, you know, there are sort of certain tools and features within it that I don't use very often. So I know that they're there, but until I need them, I'm not necessarily going to go away and learn everything about a, you know, this mammoth of a design program, but it's knowing that, oh, I want to do this and can I do it? And how do I do it? Go away and Google it work find the kind of the the blog resource that explains it or a video put it into practice and do it and then if i do it a few times in a, a reasonable amount of time it's more likely to stick in my head so that's what i've experienced so that's why it was important to me to integrate it otherwise it's all very well someone sitting there watching a series of me training but until they do it themselves it's not going to have that same impact Okay, so there's another thing in there. It's called just in time. So you'll uh, work out. So you say you've got these this learning material that you do. This this, this is resources that people can now access. So so it's a bit like as you say Google or YouTube, where people say how do I do, and they ask that yeah. when they need to do something. I don't ask that question. Oh, in six months' time, I might have to do something. So how do I how do I do it? They'll ask when they when they come across that. So they might be thinking, I know there was something we did about this session. I know it's in there, but I haven't used it for a few months so they can just Google it. So let's say having your content searchable and accessible afterwards enables what we call just-in-time training. So people can access stuff at the point of need. Yeah, and that was something that I did implement within my monthly membership of trying to collate the the links to all the re the, the training videos mm -hmm. in a as possible way i mean the the future plan is to be using something you know some sort of online course provider or like platform 
But for now, I'm just utilizing Facebook and having private Facebook groups. And, you know, it's it's doing what I can right now. I'm kind of but it is, you know, there's still stuff that you can do. So it was pretty basic, but I created a, a Google spreadsheet that, you know, people could search within it to a degree. You know, it had its pitfalls, but it was trying to, to do what I could with the resources at the time. But that's something I'm conscious of, of making sure that people can easily find what they what they need. But often people just like, how do I do this? <laughs> just go and tag them in the relevant video because that's where the, I guess, customer service bit comes in. People can search it just within the, the Facebook group. There is that searchability to a degree. You know, there's obviously, have you picked the right search term and stuff like that? But yeah, that was something that I was also conscious of. Okay. The other aspect you've built into is what we call social learning. So giving people the app, the opportunity to learn together in groups, which is really powerful. So it's not all about, I'm the trainer, you're the student, and I'm going to teach you everything. It's about encouraging people to ask each other questions as well and learn together. So somebody say, how'd you do this? And we, I think we've all done it in class where somebody said, understood a concept quicker and they'll help the person sat next to them. So oh, just again, that's something I've experienced you know, in, in more recent times, as well as the whole like school and university and stuff like that. But I've invested in group coaching over time. And some of that's included one-to-one as well. But I found the most powerful bit was actually the group coaching portion where, you know, sometimes you'd have the issue and you would share that and, you know, would get the opportunity to air that out and get some advice and suggestions, but also being able to give advice to others, you know, or hear other people's uh, problems and pain points and be like oh okay I can relate I was there you know a couple of months ago or you know and this is how I got through it or just you know so yeah that that shared experience or or learning from each other's mistakes or experiences for me is really powerful okay so it sounds like when you're setting up and we've talked about how you've changed in some some of the delivery you've done but what you're using is your experience of being of learning which we all have done our entire lives at some point or other and taking the bit say that that worked for me so i want to make sure that's in there yeah i learned this way this is how i learned this i found this let's say the group coaching i found that really powerful the ability to get hold of content as and when i need it and to break things down into manageable chunks so i think there's a there's something called cognitive load which is the amount of information we can actually process yeah and there is a risk if you're an expert at something or you know a lot for you, it's not a lot of information and you can just information dump onto people. Yeah. Just over, I think you've used the word overwhelmed. And it's really easy to do if you're an expert or been into a field for a long time because it's stuff you just know because you've, as you say, you've been dealing with this sort of bits and pieces and you do it intuitively. Yeah, well, and that was something that I've been looking at how I can help the, the the members of my group program that I recently relaunched that there's it's quite small at the moment but it's looking at you know where they're at of where that when and where they are with regards to like learning and as far as I'm aware they haven't started yet and it's like okay well that's fine some of them like one of them I know has experienced some personal stuff another one I made sure to have some one-to-ones with them to get to know them a bit as well whilst the group is quite small but for me I'm like okay well they'll be ready when they're ready to sort of access it but in the meantime what about 
I break down these, you know, training videos that I've already started uploading into the group as guides in the Facebook group. But how about if I send them an email fortnightly with each one? So I'm not sending the whole program in one go, but it's a kind of keeping in touch exercise. It's another way that they can store that information because it, it can be quite nice to be able to have a designated folder on their you know, email provider that they can put stuff there. They may not necessarily be like, OK, well, I'm going to start doing the program, but they I guess they can feel supported knowing that I'm thinking of them and I'm delivering that, but it may also encourage them to actually do it because rather than seeing it in the context of the Facebook guides and feeling overwhelmed, I'm delivering it and drip feeding it in a bite-sized way. It's still the same content, it's still there, but it's just a giving them a different way of accessing it, a different delivery method. Okay. So several things that we've talked about. So we've talked about like bite size, which is another concept, which I won't go into now. Then we've talked about uh, social learning, experiential, uh, just in time. And then I, I quite like the way you said, because I've, I've noticed it a few times. People say my content's up there. People buy it and they just say, that's it, finished. They say you've bought it. Then it's your responsibility to do it. But I do think as a provider of learning, it's our responsibility. We have a responsibility as well to try to encourage people to consume the content and to do what they've actually paid to do. So it's not just about people saying, I'm on the program. And then I'll say, right, there you go. There's all the content. Get on with it. I mean, it's not part of my values. You know, maybe for some people, they don't care. I mean, it's, you know, ultimately, I can't force people to go and watch what I've created and put what I've tried to teach them into practice. And I also get that sometimes things get in the way. And, you know, you know, there are other things that are maybe more important at, in that moment. But I guess it's making sure that I can do everything I can as this you know, learning provider to make sure that I'm being there to help them to learn and looking at different ways to engage them in in the content and keeping in touch and and all of that you know ultimately you know as the program grows you know I don't know how how much level of being able to keep in touch I can do to the same degree and maybe that will evolve over time but certainly you know I do want people to get what they paid for but ultimately it is also their responsibility to watch it and do it but it's it's trying to get that balance isn't it of doing everything you can to uh, make it as easy as possible that there's different learning methods or, or in terms of by that for me I mean that there's a video I'm now sort of working on creating handouts to go alongside it so that there's like a written summary and maybe additional information for example I've got a uh, unit which is all about creating your own logo using Canva and that handout is massive <laughs> that's one of the ones that I have managed to do and there was so much more than just sort of here's a logo, here's how to create it. There was a lot of other stuff that I really wanted people to know about if they were to ever want to create it themselves, that at least I've delivered that information. They may choose not to read it or implement any of that. But again, it's being able to provide information in different formats. 
I ironically enough, I don't really like watching videos that much. <laughs> like it, if someone, you know, on social media, for example, someone has a video come up, there's that, oh, how long is it? Have I got time to watch it? I prefer to read my content. And I think the same is true if you're just wanting to have a summary of what you've learned, you know, going back to remind yourself of how to do it. Sometimes you don't want to watch a, a full 30, 40 minute video. You just want to be like, what are the highlights again? You know, and sometimes being able to skim read is better. So, you know, we all have different learning kind of approaches or preferences to absorbing that information. And that's something that I've learned. In fact, I learned it on that three day online course that there's, you know, people like to absorb that information. Some people like to listen. Some are very, there's all the different senses or something. Some are very like feeling based. So yeah, so I took that into consideration as well until now or to more recently, most of my stuff has been very video based. Whereas now I'm looking to sort of back that up with those handouts that can be helpful to those that just want to read it or they want to download it and have this collation of this information maybe even print it out some people like to print it out and have a physical copy so that's what I've taken into consideration too okay so it sounds like when that you did this three-day course they were talked about what we call learning styles it's about how people learn mm. yeah the science behind that is unfounded okay <laughs> So, well, the unfounded is, yeah, there are the ways we prefer, but there's no guarantee that if you consume data or information in the way you prefer that you're going to learn any better. I think it was in the context more with the like marketing side of it, though, not so much in terms of the delivery of the, of the course material itself, if I remember correctly, of that bit. But it's that thing of sort of when you're putting stuff out, are you hitting the different ways to, to get that content out there? And it's true, as you say, some people just prefer. So if I see a video and I think, you know, I haven't got along, or I'll just say, can I just put it on and it's on in the background I can hear? So, or do I read something? And I like reading. I like, I like touchy-feely stuff because then I can hold it. And I can highlight what bits. So having the opportunity for people to say, to learn in different ways that suits their lifestyle and the way they are as an individual is good. And I do think yeah, there's, I think people sometimes just go for one medium whether it's yeah. all written, all video, whatever. And if you have a combination of it, then it's much more likely that people will actually do it. And to me, and I, I really agree with what you say is about, yeah, I can't make somebody do what they're paid to do. I can't make somebody sort of make sure they do the camera and do all this that you that they've been paid to do because there's a need for them. They just haven't, and they, they, so they're paid for that. But what I can do is make them using it as easy as possible for them. So the, the barriers to them actually taking part and participating and delivering the impact is as there are as a few as possible. Therefore, they're much more likely to do it. Yeah. And I think thinking about that, what can I do to make this as easy as possible for the people who've paid for it rather than, I've just put it up there, it's self-directed, which basically means we've taken the responsibility, we're going to give it to somebody else, which happens in learning and, and training. And I think that's, an error we have a responsibility as well how can we prepare the people to learn yeah we make that as easy as possible for them absolutely yeah and, and then the bit for me is then how can we support them in actually applying what they've learned in a way that's easy for them to do they're motivated to do and give them the opportunities to do 
and that's the that's the last bit of the journey so i always think of the journey as three what are we doing before what are we doing during what are we doing after yeah and then it's sort of a, a rinse and repeat <laughs> well to be yeah to a degree and i think you can add you can add things in to to make what you're doing with people much more sort of dynamic as well so you could add so you could add challenges into into the course say right this week's challenge is and just and then people might respond to that because it's a challenge rather than just giving people content because if they like the channel oh, that sounds interesting i'll do that you could uh, you could do things like spot the differences so you can give them two different things and say spot spot the differences what's the difference between this this one and this one so yeah i've done that more not so much in terms of the context of my any of my paid membership or programs but it, certainly in my free facebook group did a uh, spot the easter egg kind of game and uh, my son made one for this year we made one uh, together last year and uh, so people could it was like a virtual easter egg hunt because we're looking at in this picture and then in um, march for mother's day i sort of did a, a sort of create a sort of flowery like design you know it, I kept it quite open but it, it it didn't have to be about Mother's Day it just had to be very floral and like go for it just really have fun with it and I'd pick a name out of the winner you know out of a hat as it were and they would win a bit of t- design time with me so that was a bit of fun just to see about getting some engagement so uh, maybe I need to uh, come up with a few more of those <laughs> yeah but I, I would encourage anyone who's involved is move from the concept of training as that formal giving people handouts giving them information say the objective is them to be able to do what we want them to do and the the opportunities to encourage people to engage in that and to learn is limitless yeah and each one of those is a valid learning opportunity so if you think about what do i want somebody to be able to do how can I create something that will help them do that in a way that's fun, engaging, easy for them to do and give them a motivation to do it? Yeah. If you can drop lots of those in, especially if it's around certain, so you might have a, a specific tool within Canva that you would like to help people learn to do. Maybe do a competition about how many different ways can you do it. I don't know because I don't know Canva well enough, but there's lots of different things that you could do as part of that that will get people learning having fun but doing it in such a cool way yeah well i experienced that for because canva has got their own facebook group and i happened to see that they were doing a hashtag made with canva challenge and it was creating a video i suspect that i ended up not meeting the deadline because there was confusion over the the deadline time and and the international (laughs) there was there was a bit of it I wasn't the only one, but there was me thinking, oh, I've, I've got time. I've, I've managed to make it. And then and then somewhere seeing, oh, it was closed. I don't know. But I, it it still meant that I had two hours putting together this like two minute video, which I'd recorded and put together using all these different elements to really bring together sort of what Canva means to me and, and you know, how it's changed, you know, what the impact of it has been. And actually, I was like, OK, well, whether I've managed to properly submit it or not, it was something that I used as my sort of intro or pinned video on my YouTube channel. And I shared it every, you know, a few places. And I was like, well, actually, I'm really proud of it because I had a purpose to creating something. I had a reason and a, a you know, a reason to do it and had a lot of fun with it. So it did push my like video creation skills a bit further. That's good. 
and then you've, you've introduced another word that's important for learning with adults as well as purpose. Yeah. Purpose and relative. Can I relate to it? And is there a reason for doing it? So can I relate to that reason as well? Does it make sense to me? Because as you say, if you've got something, you know, life happens, doesn't it? Yeah. We do other things. So we, it's thinking about how can I encourage people to do it and say, give it, create a purpose around it, create a reason for it, those types of things, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's it comes back to that thing of, you know, why are you doing something? You know, it's sometimes I need to remind myself of the why, even on simple tasks or, or things that I'm kind of know I should be doing, but I don't enjoy so much. If I if I dig in to like, why is this important? It may not be fun, but if I don't do it, what happens? And so, you know, it's looking at it from the different aspects, whether it's something that you want to do and it's quite fun or it's, you know, you enjoy it versus something that, you know, it's important, but it comes down to why and it kind of links to the, the purpose aspect. Oh, never underestimate the power of purpose. It drives so much human behavior, so much understanding why we're doing something. I mean, children is their favorite word. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why, why, why? And I, and that requirement for understanding doesn't go away as we grow older. We just get told to stop asking. So we still need, or that's still an important driver for us to do stuff. So say, this is what we're doing. This is why if it's and you can make it a competition, you can make it a learning. You can say, you can ask people to buddy up, share something you've done with Canva. You think the rest of the community would find useful. Yeah. I guess it's having a curiosity as well maintaining that that's something that children naturally have is that curiosity and as adults we can still enjoy that play I think there it's as you said it's been drummed a bit out of us but it's something as a creative person myself it's really important to be able to recharge and find other methods away from my laptop to be able to be creative. I don't do it as much as I'd like because it's sort of, again, it's that you, you get kind of hung up with or in that busy mode of day-to-day life. You know, I'm a mum, so I've got mum life and all of that. I run my own business. So there's lots of things going on. But what I notice is when I take time to do something just just for fun or just because you, you can have you can really sort of discover new things or, you know, you're not you're not really kind of like, oh, I've, I've got to create this. And you've got this set idea of what you want. There's that kind of discovery of an unexpected outcome. And that's just part of learning as well. You know, if you're not kind of, if you're open to possibilities, that that kind of word limitless. And I think the same is true, you know, whether it's in the context of Canva, if you're creating something, you know, yes, you might have a goal of what you want to produce, but, you know, it's about being a bit more open-ended with it and making it the best you can with the abilities you have in that moment of time. And it kind of comes back to my ethos and you know that everything is a work in progress I don't know who coined that that quote but it's something that I use a lot in my marketing and it ties in with that that evolution because you know we are all evolving it doesn't have to be all perfect first time and in the context of learning you know that you you sort of learn a bit you get a bit better and then you know learn a bit more and it's it's those sort of 
almost like the bricks you're laying the bricks one on top of the other you're building on it you're not just sort of go from you know one thing like ground zero to like a, a massive you know high story building it takes time there's those steps between and i think the people who are frustrated with what they're creating or doing have have maybe forgotten that actually it takes time to learn and implement it or they've maybe not thought of it in terms of how many hours they've actually used canva because there's that i read somewhere a couple of years ago i think that there's on average i think it takes like ten thousand hours or something to become an expert in something i mean it varies on like profession and stuff like that but and i actually at that point worked out how many hours i'd actually been learning and doing design i think at that point it was sort of around 25 plus 25 000 plus so uh that that makes me a super expert <laughs> expert double expert double i'm a double expert but yeah and people don't think of that you know they forget how many you know hours and years of experience of their area of expertise you know they didn't become that overnight they weren't born that way they might have a natural affinity for what they're doing but they've developed that skill set and so sometimes they forget with when it comes to canva that they're like oh it's this you know it's built as this easy to use tool but not everyone's going to get it first time and not everyone's going to have you know the outcome that they they want you know depending on where they're at with their kind of skill set and have they got a natural design eye for it and all of that and there's lots of it and i that's it so to me it's the iterative development of stuff so if we believe that we develop iteratively i.e., one step at a time yeah can we deliver content to help people on that journey rather than delivering that much content which nobody can see because i've done a hand gesture but a, a, a <laughs> it's a really big box <laughs> not a little box it's a big box <laughs> so if we're going to deliver a huge amount of stuff to help people get there what are we doing to make their journey iterative yeah because that's generally how we do so we occasionally have an aha moment which creates a leap yeah get those and anything we do all of a sudden things just sort of click into place and you sort of you just sort of go up a couple of levels quite quickly but most of the time we're just as you say taking those one step at a time developing as we get better slowly better at something and then something three or four things may click and we can do three or four things a lot better quickly and we have those occasional leaps but most of the time it's not most of the time it's iterative steps so if we think that's how people develop skills how can we create what we're doing in a way to help people on that iterative journey rather than the big block journey that you tend to see people do yeah well i guess that's the thing is, is being aware of that i think it's useful to be able to give people the option and that's where sort of allowing people to access the information so that if they want to they can just go directly to what they want to know about and not follow that learning path that maybe as a, a you know you know the delivery you've, you've put out there you know i've got there is a in my mind a logical sequence to what i've you know created the order of training but um, someone else might be like well that's all very well and good but i haven't gone through that as yet but i just want to skip and watch the video to learn how to make a, a really good social media post or i need to create a banner for my facebook page 
how do I do that? What do I put on it? <laughs> so they can go straight to that video. So it's it's getting that balance, isn't it? Yeah, I think if we yes, if we predetermine the journey somebody takes on, and what we've probably got is we're trying to like uh, sheep dip. Basically, everyone's get the same. So you go, boom. That's a cheap dip solution for everybody, and we're not all the same. So as you say, right? People, people will get aspects of Canva really quickly. Some people have a few more things to overcome. Other people have got more of a design eye than others. Other people just say, "I'm coming on your course because I like what you do. It gives me access to this material, but I only want to get what I want when I want it. I don't really want to learn everything. Yeah, I'm not interested in doing that because. I just want to, as you say, I just want to do a banner because I'm going to do a banner next week. So I need to, I need to learn how to do that. And then I need to do a post and I need to do this. And then they'll learn as they do in it, but they're seeing the practical applications of it because it makes sense to them at that time. Yeah. So enabling people to sort of say, right, I've got all this stuff. What's the best way for me to get the best out of it for me? Yeah. I think that's the questions. I think if we have, and I think it's a risk of people is they put their content in, in a way, and it's predetermined. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this. And, and so a lot of Ellen, a lot of training is like that as well. And I, I think it's online gives us the ability like you've demonstrated of creating that opportunity for people to just take what they need when they need it in however they need it. Yeah. yeah. That's ultimately what we're providing. We're providing something for your clients to make because they don't pay for your training yeah i know they the the real power is the the live sessions mm -hmm. in the group setting the ability again let's just go back to that experiential testing asking yeah. questions and feeling safe to do so but they pay for the impact yeah they pay for what they can do after whatever it is they want to do so if somebody goes to watch your video about a social media post or a banner facebook banner they're not paying to learn. They're paying to have a decent banner. Yeah. That's yeah. what they're paying for. They're paying for the outcome of the impacts. You're just, you're trying that before and after thing, isn't it? You know, before the training or before, before they've learned how to do it better, that's where they're at. And so it's taking them from that A to B. Absolutely. So that's the journey. So as somebody who's been through this journey and has created a way of doing it that's very similar to how you've enjoyed learning in your past, which I think is a really good way of looking at it. Saying, what did I, when I learned, how did I learn and what did I enjoy doing? It's okay, how can I create the same for my clients rather than having this, I've got a training course, this is how we're meant to do it and this is how it's meant to be done, which goes about looking at it from a supplier's point of view rather than the consumer's point of view. Yeah. What would be your tips for somebody who's either just about thinking or has something and they want to make it better, they want to enhance what they've currently got what would be your tips for them well i think it's it's about making what you don't overcomplicate things in terms of what you're delivering because i'm there's a part of me that's all stressing out about uploading further modules within within my group program and i'm like oh, i haven't delivered that i had a kind of schedule in mind but actually, probably the people in the group, where they're at and what they're doing, it's not actually that important. They have got some, you know, the first module to be looking through if they want to start accessing it in sequence. But I guess it's that thing of going, well, what can I do to make sure that they can start? And, you know, you can always de develop and add things in later. So what can you do right now 
to deliver that information. You know, I've had some, you know, been to some great online workshops where someone has just sat there and imparted their information. They've not even necessarily had a slideshow. So obviously, if you've got a slideshow, which is part of, you know, the training, then obviously making it look nice <laughs> without putting everything, you know, and the kitchen sink on it. But it, it's, I guess it's just about getting started, you know, because you will learn as you develop. I think people get so heads up about having it perfect and they spend, you know, maybe even years doing it. And then they, you know, they've missed the boat. You know, you know, yes, we've got our own ideals of like how we want it to be. You know, there are, you know, maybe there are certainly better ways for me to hold this information. I certainly want to do a bit of editing of these pre-recorded trainings in time. I'm going to have to re-record them because they're going to reach a point where Canva's moved on enough that it's out of date. But it's it's looking at, OK, well, it, for me, it's an ongoing cycle of improving what I'm doing. So rather than waiting till it's all perfect, it's that, OK, well, what can I do to really impart my knowledge in an easy to way understand? I'm not trying to be perfect with, you know, how I turn up. I'm making sure that I do turn up and that people can get that information. OK, so the MVP, the minimal viable product. What is yeah. what is enough for me to? Yeah. I quite like the said that the iterative in it's don't be afraid to experiment. Try yeah. something, and if it doesn't if it doesn't bounce with your with your thing, and find out why it doesn't bounce and make that change. Yeah, because I think you can also spend a long time creating this say online course, and then no one wants to buy it because you haven't done the research maybe of, is there a need or you've not really done the research into your you know, target market, but you know, what problems that you need to solve. So if you've done a bit of testing first or done it on a sort of um, you know, a smaller scale, you can then work out, well, actually is this idea worth developing further? You can get feedback from those first people. That's what I've done all along you know, everything that I've been creating, I've asked for feedback to, so that I can be like, okay, sometimes I've had my own feedback for myself where I'm like, okay, I've delivered this. Like I did an introduction to Canva workshop uh, last summer. So we were in lockdown and I had about five people come on and I had an idea of how I wanted it to be, what it was priced at, how long it would be. And I didn't quite deliver because I did my little talk about the foundations of kind of branding and they didn't want to know that. <laughs> so there was like 20, 30 minutes of what I think is really important, but actually they really wanted to just know about Canva. So all the branding stuff was just like, well, that's great, but it's not in, you know, in interesting. So what, <clears throat> excuse me, what I did was, arrange another date to do some more time with them so that they felt that they got that chunk of learning that they really wanted. So I learned from that experience of what I thought in my mind of what was important and actually what they booked on and what they wanted delivered to them. There was a slight mismatch. Mm -hmm. So I did have that chunk where it was delivered, but there wasn't enough because of the time taking up waffling about branding, which is important but not in the context. So that's sort of, I guess, for me, because I've learned that, 
has maybe in a way made me hold back from creating this uh, product or course or whatever it will be aimed at introduction to Canva because I've kind of had that in part negative experience where I'm like oh but um, it's looking at how I can learn from that mistake or experience you know and make sure that I can deliver the best that I can at that point. I quite like that. The, I, I doubt it was waffling, but yes, it was, <laughs> it was not what they wanted to learn at that precise moment in time. Remember that just in time. So if they think again, this isn't why I'm here and yeah, we make that predetermined choice. So one, a tip for you is talk to people who have been through the journey of learning Canva and say to them, if there's 10 things you wanted to, you would wish you'd have known at the beginning, what would they be? Oh, that's a good one. And then that helps you say the people. Better write that down. <laughs> what that does is using that information, you're then trying to make sure that what you're delivering is what people actually needed. Yeah. So it's the concept of lean into learning. What's it, so if 80% of your time at Canva in the first three months you used Canva, what did what did what were the 10 tasks you spent 80% of your time doing? And then what you're doing, you're delivering then the skills that people need 80% of the time. Yeah. Which is what they're going to be spending the majority of their time. So that's, that's bringing that sort of lean concept into what we deliver as content. Give people what they need to know to be able to move on. And then as they go along and get more sophisticated and learn more, then maybe, right, I now need to look at my branding. I now need to look at this. Mm. It might be something that's further down the line. As important, but once they've learned what they want to do with Canva and then the design stuff and the branding and everything might come with it. Yeah. And again, it comes back to what I know about branding and design and Canva, et cetera. I'm coming at it from a different like, place of expertise and knowledge. So I, I'm talking about branding, so I know it's important, but in the moment where someone is just very new to Canva, all of that other stuff is just not so important. So it's, it's, I guess it comes back to, isn't it, about focusing on what the needs of that, that user, what do they need to learn in that moment, being clear of what, what you're delivering to them and making sure that they get that. That's it. Okay. So that's, we've been waffling for an hour. Did you know that? It's an hour already. So I just <laughs> thank you very, very, very much. It's been really informative. And I love hearing, I mean, I love learning anyway, but hearing somebody's journey and how you've approached it. So it shows you, you don't have to be an expert in learning to develop stuff that works because training and learning is common sense. Really? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't get any, I didn't, well, aside from, you know, this three day online course, I, and that, was like so long ago <laughs> but aside from that I haven't gone to I haven't got any formal training to be a teacher or anything like that I've just gone what did I find work for me tried to do it as best as I can got feedback and improved it that's it that's the only way because I've been in training for years I still get feedback after I do and still develop yeah develop new things come in new ways of doing stuff and it's about engaging that all the time as we as we move on as you say what you do for canva now is okay today but if they bring out something tomorrow then that aspect is out of date and we have to improve and we have to continue to learn 
Yep, they, they keep bringing new, new features. <laughs> Which is good in a way. It's frustrating because I've got to keep updating stuff. But then if you keep on top of it, then you are the person with the most up-to-date content, which is important as well. I think people think this is evergreen. I can produce something once and it can resell, 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 resell. But just think is how valid is that going to be after a while? And how well, it's something that I have to keep in mind because I'm writing a book about Canva. I was asked to do it by some print-on-demand publishers who specialise in manuals for like specific programs and things like that and I didn't want the book to be just about here's how to use Canva there is a lot of that aspect but there's also a lot of what I've talked about what what's important to me and I think is important for the users is learning about design and branding it's not heavy and lots of you know bogged down with design theory but it there is a bit of that it's kind of design theory light <laughs> because it's it's that where they're you know and hopefully that that side of it that approach to how I'm sort of trying to deliver that information means that it will have a bit more longevity even beyond when you know they update this and new features of that because that, that's always the case with any kind of program there will be updates and I think they will do like new additions every so often but certainly it's about getting that balance between something that is valuable and in part evergreen or totally evergreen but also having the ability to update it and stay kind of current okay well I'm looking forward to when that book comes out I might actually read it although see I pay people to do my branding because it's something I'm not very good at I don't have a designer's eye and I'm, I'm a great believer in working with strengths so if I'm not very good at something, I, I bring people on board who are much better at it than I am because it's quicker. Much yeah, and we've had some good fun working together. <laughs> yeah, and I think we probably will do for a while yet. So thank you very much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you. And obviously any links that you want, just click on the links at the bottom to go to your website, et cetera. Yep. To contact you. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.